Hello and welcome to Healing from Within. I am your host, Cheryl Glick, author of The Living Spirit, a tale of spiritual awakening, spiritual communication, healing energies and miracles, and a guide to soul awareness. I am most delighted today to welcome Atherton Drent from Ontario, Canada, who is a certified medical intuitive and holistic energy practitioner and author of The Intuitive Dance. Hello, Atherton, and thank you so much for joining us today. Hello, Cheryl. It's an honor to be on your show. Thank you. You're welcome. Atherton, as listeners of Healing from Within are well aware, my guests and I seek to help people to awaken to the many realms of energy, dimension, and life experiences that may open our hearts and minds to our eternal soul reality, and in doing so, unite our physical and spiritual worlds with grace and love. In learning to self-investigate our inner world and master our emotions in the physical world, we improve life on a personal and collective level. In today's episode, Atherton Drent guides listeners to master their ego by utilizing innate intuitive abilities that help us achieve and hold inner calm, creating a healthier and more loving reality. She offers practical exercises and easy-to-use techniques as we move through three main sections of the book, Building, Protecting, and Clearing Your Energy. And we also discover how to determine our intuitive type, center, and also ground our energy. We will explore ways to cut energy cords with any negative influences and fill life with greater peace and abundance. Atherton Drent was featured in the documentary Voyage to Betterment as one of 12 experts in the fields of consciousness research and spirituality. Atherton, I always love to ask my guests to think back to their childhood and remember a person, a place, event, or a feeling that may have been part of their discovering their life plan or spiritual talents. Because I know we're born with our inner wisdom and soul. And mm-hmm. while as physical beings we may seem small and fragile at the beginning, actually mm-hmm. we're equipped uh, with this sense of intuition and great wisdom uh, that can help us to develop. And parents really should be listening more uh, to their babies and their young children as they try to express themselves and make connections that are far beyond mm-hmm. their age because they're doing it. It's just they're not always... Uh, not enough people understand just how gifted they are. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I agree. So tell us something about your earlier days. Well, when I was four years old, my uh, parents sent my uh, sister and I, who was three at the time, to spend the summer on uh, a farm. And uh, we had uh, something happen to us, uh, my sister and I, when we were off by ourselves because we were basically unsupervised and had free run of the farm which is a little frightening when you think about a four-year-old and a three-year-old running a farm, running around on a farm by themselves. Yeah. And my sister and my sister had, um, my sister and I had chased uh, some kittens into a barn 
And my sister uh, ran in after the kitten, and she stepped on a plank that had a rusty nail in it, and it went through her shoe and into her foot. So she was taken into Emerge and given a tetanus shot, and I was present, and I'd never seen a needle before, and I was absolutely horrified. And uh, when we got back to the farm, I was very furious, and I was going to do something about that nasty nail. So I marched right back into that barn and proceeded to step on exactly the same nail. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Well, and there are no coincidences. Nothing's no, random. Not. So it was supposed to happen, Painful, yes. painfully so. So I did not want to be taken to the hospital, and I didn't want to have this, this uh, shot. So I snuck into the uh, farmhouse, got caught by the uh, farmer's wife, um, lied about what I had done, and she promptly sent me uh, to bed without my supper. And... So when I crawled into bed, I remember looking at my foot and you know, watching this blood oozing out of the sole of my foot and thinking to myself, this has got to be gone in the morning and promptly went to sleep. I woke up the next morning and looked at my foot and was completely healed. And I remember saying to myself, oh, I'm a healer. <laughs> so that was my first indication. My second came at age 13 when I knew intuitively how to help a friend's animal and it wasn't until I was 45 that I, when I had my near-death experience that I found out that I could actually do something with this healing That's, energy. Yeah, just a few years before that is when I started to go on my journey and to discover I was an intuitive healer and medium. It took mm-hmm. years, years, but uh, you see it doesn't always start earlier in life even though there are clues about what we're here to do. So it's about the same. But please, tell us about that near-death experience. Uh, So in my, um, I had been told when I, I had a vision when I was very young, and I was told that I was going to die in my 45th year. And I just accepted it. I didn't uh, think anything twice of it. Um, And then uh, 16, so then in my 45th year, I uh, became very ill, and I had been struggling with my health for a good five years prior to that. And uh, I collapsed and ended up being in bed and unable to walk for six weeks because I was wasting away and I was very weak. And one day I woke up in the middle of the day to find an angel standing beside my bed. And uh, she looked down at me and she said, Atherton, it's your choice. You can live or you can die. And at first I was relieved. I mean, I'd been suffering from poor health for years and I was done. I was down to 98 pounds. I had crippling migraines. I was too weak to walk. Um, I had gone from having a severe insomnia to sleeping 22 hours a day. And I just couldn't do it anymore. And I just mm. said, take me. I'm done. I'm just done. And as I started to rise up out of my body and into the white light and that place of absolute bliss, I just remember kind of floating in the room and thinking, I can't leave my husband with two teenagers to raise. I don't think that's playing fair. Ah, you changed your mind. <laughs> I changed my mind. So I called out and I said, can I change my mind? And I heard this chuckle and snapped back into my body and next morning I woke up and I could start to walk then there were a series of uh, very synchronous events that happened over the next two weeks and I was led to a young healer Uh, he knew exactly what was wrong with me the first time he laid hands on me which shocked me I had knew nothing about energy work Uh, I was horrified when I went to the young man's office um, because I had never I didn't know about energy work Uh, it was totally outside of my medical intuitive, uh, my um, training as, as a um, medical technologist. And yet when he laid hands on me, I knew that he knew what was wrong with me. And I asked him, and he said, you have celiacs. And mm. 
three days later, it was confirmed by medical biopsy. And the doctor who did the biopsy said it was the worst case of undiagnosed celiacs he'd ever seen in his practice. Mm. He said it'll be at least two years before you can go back to work. So I went back to this healer and he had me back at work in three and a half months. And then one day, just out of the blue, he said, you know, you're really intuitive. And we had never had this discussion. And he said, I can train you to do what I'm doing. And mm. I was floored. All I destiny, all part of your yeah. plan. You know, it's really funny, but most people think that healers don't have to deal with any of these issues or, mm-hmm. or any kind of illness that they can just immediately fix themselves. But it is part of our learning experience to go through these challenges and mm-hmm. eventually to find people who help us fulfill our destiny as this young man mm-hmm. did and mm-hmm. and I have similar stories uh, in my discovery of energy healing and mm-hmm. mediumship but I, I've always I've interviewed many guests who have had near-death experiences like yours and they mm-hmm. have seen and been given choices uh, to either mm-hmm. stay or go but when they come back there is a commonality uh, of those type of experiences, they're changed, more aware of mm-hmm. the gift of life and their need to be of service to help themselves mm-hmm. and others more, and they understand mm-hmm. more about the energy of our soul or eternal life. You know, Carl Jung, I, I, I'm always amused. I in, interview many people, and he comes up in many shows. Maybe I had a soul connection with him somewhere along the line, or I'm doing similar work to his. But he's perhaps the first spiritual psychologist after his near-death experience who remarked, death is so unspeakably glorious that our imagination and feelings do not suffice to form even an appropriate conception of. And that's what you Mm -hmm. were just talking about. You you were happy to go until you had Mm -hmm. the thought that you left behind unfinished business and mm-hmm. perhaps they also whispered in your ear that you were going to have help and help others, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Yes. And anyhow, so let's go on to uh, your book, The Intuitive mm-hmm. Dance, um, and what inspired you to write it and what, what it's about. Well, uh, the reason I wrote the book was because uh, in my work with clients, so often I was working with uh, self-esteem and uh, self-confidence issues, and there was this constant... Uh, dilemma of people struggling on how to deal with their ego and having been through the same struggle and in many cases walking along beside them with their struggle I realized that there were things that I could show them that had helped me on my journey of awareness so I started to share them and uh, that led to me putting together a little booklet and then I was talking to a colleague of mine and she said why why have you not written a book and I mm-hmm. said, well, I'd love to write. I'd love to write a book here, but you know, trying to get an agent is uh, a little ve- difficult. The process is very, very hard. Yes, we know yes. that. I once stuck one of my teachers, uh, Reverend Robert Brown from England. Mm-hmm. After I discovered that uh, there is no end of life, that we are just eternal souls, energy, and uh, there is no death. I thought it was the mm-hmm. greatest thing I had ever learned in all my years, and I wanted to share it, so I knew I was going to write a book. And I said mm-hmm. to him, why don't you write a book? 
you know, he had been a medium for much longer than me. And, yes, yes. And he did, he did write write his book, and I wrote mine for the same mm-hmm. purpose as you to share yes. with everyone the miracle of who we are and what mm-hmm. life's really about. And and so it's very exciting to hear you say that. Okay, so go on. So you wanted to, so, uh, yeah, help people. So I wanted to help people, and I wanted to show them that there was an easier way for them to understand this this uh, dealing with the ego mind, you know, our inner crazy that we're all battling with. And uh, so I put the book uh, together, and and I wanted to show people how easy it was, because when you get past the fear, it's really quite easy. Mm-hmm. And and our, our egos are so good about holding us in fear, which I think, you know, with this, the thinning of the veil we are all being given permission to move into a higher level of consciousness. And part of that movement into consciousness is understanding that we can master our fear and that fear doesn't run us. We are a soul having a human experience. We are not human beings trying to find our souls. There's a big difference. Right, yes. And, and so many of us are also learning that to be of service doesn't mean we have to be a servant. Right. Mm-hmm. And we have to be clear about our boundaries, and it's all right to say no. I remember when I was a child, my father said to me, you don't know how to say no, and that's going to be mm-hmm. a difficult thing for you. And absolutely, as an empath, we're going to get into the different types of intuition. Mm-hmm. And, and, and as a, I, I have all the different types, but uh, I am so strongly clairsentience. And so, mm-hmm. so, yeah, learning to say no was very necessary. And he sensed it somehow even when I was mm-hmm. a child. But I don't know why he just didn't explain to me why it was necessary to set these yes. boundaries so I'd be healthier and I wouldn't have mm-hmm. to feel everybody else's emotion. I guess I had to learn it myself. That was the yes. the way to go. But let's go on to how would you describe intuition? There are many different ways to describe it. And as many people as I've interviewed, they always say it just a little bit differently so what it is Mm -hmm. uh, describe intuition and the different types of intuition and Mm -hmm. is everybody's intuition the same Mm -hmm. so intuition is just knowing without your without knowing that you're knowing and everybody's intuitive and i think that's the first step is understanding that you've already got it you're just not aware that you have it and if you are already saying things to yourself well um Gee, I, I, I knew that. Oh, I wish I had listened to myself. Or I just I should, should have just done that. And I knew it was the wrong thing to do. These are all hints of being intuitive. And everybody's intuition falls into four main categories. But how you express it, how you use it, is as individual as you are. And that's mm-hmm. what throws people off. Yes. So there's four different types of intuition. Uh, the first is clairvoyant, which is what I am. And uh, and we have all four. Everybody has all four, but one will be more dominant than the other. So um, clairvoyance is clear seeing. So that's being able to visualize things in your mind's eye. It's just uh, it's being able to see images, see pictures, see colors, uh, see statements. The next is being claircognizant, and that is just clear knowingness. That's the the hunch, just um, understanding uh, a lot of synchronicity. The next is clairaudient, which is clear hearing, which is hearing little voices in your head, which is the one you never want to bring up with your uh, friends and loved ones because then they think you're certifiable. And then the last <laughs> is clairsentience. And clairsentience is clear feeling. And 
uh, clairsentients, I think, um, have the hardest time, in my own personal opinion, for, for one of two reasons. Uh, one is because they get, uh, I call them little human Velcros. They pick up on everybody's stuff. And they don't know where the line is between what is theirs and what is somebody else. So they get body cues. So if I'm having lunch with a friend and she has a toothache, I will pick up on the toothache in my body. And my first response will be, is this mine or somebody else's? And if I get that, well, I'm not too sure, then I know it's not mine. So then I'll say to my friend, you don't happen to have a toothache, do you? Oh, yeah, I saw the dentist this morning. I'm going to have to get a filling. Eh, I don't want to go. So then that's validation for me. Um, children are predominantly clairsentient. You know, they, they just feel everybody's stuff. You know, they're very empathetic. They're very compassionate when they're left to their own devices. And, and parents know they're dealing with a child who's feeling a lot of stuff because of the phantom, teddy, uh, phantom head, um, tummy aches and little headaches and, oh, I don't want to go to school today. Well, why not? Well, find out what's going on at school. You know, maybe there's a little problem with, you know, little Johnny at school or little mm-hmm. Susie, right? So, uh, so what I say to people is once you have discovered what your intuitive, your dominant intuitive type is, and you just hone in on that one skill, you know, break it down into chewable chunks, make it easy for yourself. As you develop that ability and get comfortable with it and understand how quick it is, then it's easier for you to see how you've got the other three and how they'll start to come into play. So even though I'm predominantly clairvoyant, I know that I'm very strongly claircognizant um, and clairaudient. My clairsentience is on a lower level, but that's fine. I'm, I'm okay with that. <laughs> my clairsentience is off the charts. <laughs> and I have the others also, too. I, I would say my claircognizance is perhaps the weakest. Mm-hmm. But I get messages from my clients in all the ways that you've described in the book. And mm-hmm. uh, I probably was all my life, but I was just chalking it up to, gee, I'm a good student, I'm a good listener, I really want to mm-hmm. help people. And so mm-hmm. these, are, these are good ideas, but the thoughts were always coming in. And I said, gee, good thought, I'm going to do that. And, um, yeah. and in dreams... Well, I know- I would know things in dreams, but I, I never put it together. I didn't start to actually, in my 40s, start to question all these things. So mm-hmm. you see, it can lie dormant, even though mm-hmm. some people, I would say 20% of the population are really highly, highly intuitive, naturally, without mm-hmm. training, and they mm-hmm. eventually do find their way to the people who will help them understand it if they don't come from a family like that which I didn't so you found mm-hmm. you found you found the doctor who the healer who helped you and yeah. um and I found <laughs> mediums who who <laughs> who helped me actually I was in Canada uh for Robert Brown's workshop in Toronto mm-hmm. and I had hurt my knee and he sent me to the healing session and I had no idea what that was all about and when they put mm-hmm. my when when this man put his hand on my shoulder and said, "You're a healer. You can do this." I had no idea what he was talking about. And then he put his hands on my knee, and I could feel the vibration, the restructuring, and the healing. And I mm-hmm. said, "Gee, I must be with aliens. What is all <laughs> this about?" <laughs> if, yeah. my, if my father was alive, who was a podiatrist. 
he would really maybe question this because he was very methodical and scientific. And so anyhow, mm-hmm. that was the beginning of my journey. I said, mm-hmm. look, this is real. I feel it. Mm-hmm. I know it. It's true. And I'm going to follow this, carry this ball to the end of the football field until I can deliver this information to as many people as possible. Now, let's mm-hmm. go on to, I, you have many stories of people, but you tell a story mm-hmm. of your son as a baby and how your mm-hmm. intuition saved his life. I was very mm-hmm. moved by that because I feel a lot of mistakes, unfortunately, are made in the medical community, and we have mm-hmm. got to, all of us, begin to use our intuition to help ourselves mm-hmm. and make good decisions. So tell yeah. us about that, briefly. Uh, okay, so uh, our son was uh, three months old, and we had just moved 5,000 miles to a new town, and uh, he came down with a, a very bad uh, cold. And um, when I finally found a doctor who could take us, uh, because we were new in the community, uh, he seemed to be more interested in my son's diaper rash than he was in his cold. And uh, that really bothered me. And when I tried to question him about the cold, he said, yeah, yeah, I'm going to give you a, a script and, you know, just give him this. Um, and then again went off on the diaper rash. And I, the whole situation strange. made me feel very, yeah, very it was, strange. It was strange. And and I was upset. And, and I just thought, well, you know, I have to be a good little girl. I have to listen to the doctor. He's the authority. Who am I to say? Uh, then I went to the pharmacist, gave him the script, and he took a look at it, and he just kind of, his whole personality changed. Uh, he went and called the doctor. I could hear him arguing with the doctor in the back office. He came out, handed me a, a paper bag, and he said, follow the instructions implicitly to the letter. Oh. And I just remember looking at him and think, and my the alarm bells going off, and I was just screaming at myself, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. But again, here's the pharmacist, he's the authority, do as you're told. So I went home, read the instructions, gave it to my to my son. He fell asleep right away, which was a huge relief because he, he'd been coughing so much. And uh, put my two-year-old to bed, fell asleep into a dead sleep. And then in the, in the middle of the night, I just sat straight up and I just found myself running down the hallway and thinking, oh my God, what's going on? Ran into his room, looked at him, and I thought, why am I here? He's fine. And I had remembered I had propped him up in a certain position. I remember hearing very clearly, make sure you put prop him up this way. So I listened to that, thankfully. And then all of a sudden, my son had a convulsion, and he started choking on his own vomit. Oh, my God. And I just remember grabbing him and hanging him upside down and patting him very firmly between the shoulder blades so he so he'd start coughing. And then running back into the bathroom and then just turning on the hot water so that the bathroom would fill up with steam to open up his lungs. How did I knew that? I don't know. And then I sat down on the floor and started sucking out his nose and cleaning out his throat. And then it dawned on me, he never woke up. He was totally unconscious. Oh. He was totally oblivious to the fact that I was sucking on his nose, sticking my fingers down his throat, trying to clean it out. I don't understand. I, I cannot even begin to understand how with the doctor and the pharmacist questioning the doctor, why he didn't mm-hmm. change the script and know that there was danger with convulsion and uh, it it blows my mind i'm like so yeah. so so upset with with this well, story and I, it, but you did learn and readers yeah. will learn that sometimes you mm-hmm. have to say no when you know yeah. that it's not right you say no mm-hmm. to any authority figure and see many mm-hmm. women have been trained women mm-hmm. have been trained to accept mm-hmm. other people especially men 
and mm-hmm. and it's not right. We have to do and uh, be honest to our own truth. And you saved your son's life, and it never should have happened. But let's go no, on. I've been, yeah. Okay. What'd you? I, I've been kicked out of a lot of doctor's offices since then, I can tell you. But. Me too. I've <laughs> said no to. Only recently yeah. I had a little bump on my leg. He made this horrible scar and, and, and stitches. I couldn't believe mm-hmm. it. And when I came back, he said, well, we need to make two more. I said, why would you do that? I'm an intuitive healer. I said, yeah. I was checking the bump because it was a little hard and mm-hmm. um, it was prudent to check it but when it didn't turn out to be anything serious he said well maybe it's a fungus I said so how would you treat that well with antibiotics so I said so mm-hmm. why wouldn't you give me that instead of wanting to make two more horrible incisions and yeah. I said no thank you very much and never went back so we do yep. have to learn when mistakes are made to talk up yeah, thank, thank you for saying that. But let's go on to Atherton. You describe mm-hmm. e- energy very well, mm-hmm. and it's it's the truth. It's everything that I have learned and felt and discovered over my many years of um, training and working and sharing this information. And you wrote, we are all energy. We all have mm-hmm. an energy field around us called an aura. We know that mm-hmm. auras exist because we can take pictures of them now. It's called Kern and um, Photography. They, yeah, yeah. Kerny, yeah. which I believe was came out of Russia. I think it yes, started it there. We yes. also know for a fact that if an aura gets blocked or jammed up, it will create problems physically, emotionally, mentally, or spiritually. Energy medicine addresses that. An aura is like a great big bubble-like balloon that projects out from our bodies 10 to 20 feet. It is egg-shaped and radiates everything we feel and think through vibration. Sometimes the concept of an energy field around the body can be hard for us to grasp at the beginning, you know, when Mm -hmm. we're starting. But remember, even music is vibration. You can't see music, but you can hear it. Your ears are designed to hear vibration. Your eyes are designed to see the physical aspect of things. Your skin is designed to feel the physical and energetic aspect of things. You have a very small organ in your forehead called the pineal gland, and it is designed to see or sense the energetic patterns in things. So imagine a room filled with people with all their aura balloons surrounding their bodies and, and all in all these balloons, they're bumping up against each other at the same time and you're either going to feel consciously or subconsciously some of their feelings and you might even feel uh, like your space is invaded and you're not mm-hmm. sure why. So this is very interesting. We can... Feel another person's energy, thoughts, emotions, all of us. Yeah, I want to thank you, Atherton Drent, for sharing so many practical ways, stories, to understand energy, intuition, and how to include techniques into our daily life that, that will alert us to a more positive and open view of life and its many layers and nuances that can be accessed by higher self. For more information and to purchase this well-detailed story of intuition and how to begin to use yours effectively, go to atherton-drent.ca. 
In summarizing today's episode of Healing from Within, Atherton, Drent, and I have shared our many awakenings to our own spiritual gifts of clairvoyance, clairaudience, clairsentience, and claircognizance. The way intuition presents a downloading of information from universal source and have shown ways to feel, know, and use your best energy to create your best reality, while also learning to build, protect, and clear energy to find a peaceful calm within that will eventually help you to allow, accept, and surrender to life's challenges with uh, being more gentle and without as many negative emotions such as fear, anger, blame, dysfunction, and unhappiness. You can grow more compassionate and more loving in alignment to the people, places, and events of your life when one understands their dual nature as both physical and spiritual beings, it becomes easier to work with all the aspects of your life. Atherton and I would have you begin to remember your childhood feelings of intuition and connection to the earth, to the sky, to the universe, to love and joy running freely through your playtime and trusting that life would bring good things to you. As thoughts create our reality, let us begin to truly know that we can thrive using our intuition and live joyfully no matter what challenges we face as each moment offers a new, opportun a new opportunity to simply be. I am Cheryl Glick, host of Healing From Within, and invite you to visit my website, CherylGlick.com, to hear leaders in the metaphysical field explore the wonderful world of awakening, healing, and creation. Shows may also be heard on webtalkradio.net and dreamvision7radio.com. Thank you.